Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, as the bumper video set showed us, we are in our series still on the Sermon on the Mount. And so we invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verses 13 through 16. But we have been uh, reminded in this series or leading up to this series that we are disciples of Jesus. And that means then that we are his students. It's not just that we know about Him, but we are wanting to learn His teachings. We should know His teachings. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus bearing His heart and soul to disciples and to the crowds. And so we think that we should know this teaching and see this teaching embodied in our very lives. Now, the last few weeks, we have been looking at the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes tell us about the arrival of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is God's active kingdom. And that surprises us. There were many surprises in who Jesus was announcing the kingdom to. We, we saw last week that the kingdom surprises us by who it includes. That those, and it's, it's those that the world excludes. Those who are poor in spirit, the meek, the hungry for justice, the peacemakers, the persecuted. All of these are excluded by society, but they are first in the kingdom of God. We also have been holding front and center who Jesus was saying this to. Because we found out that who Jesus is talking to helps us better understand what Jesus was trying to communicate. And so we saw that these crowds were full of sick and broken demon-possessed people. They were, they were filled with insiders, which were a part of the Jewish community, and outsiders like Syrians and people from the Decapolis and those beyond the Jordan. People that Jewish folk would have looked at suspiciously. And he surprises them all by telling them that they are included. And now, as we look into our verses today, he moves into something different. He moves on to our verses. So, if you are able, would you stand with me for the reading of the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. Hear the good news today. This is Jesus speaking. You all are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You all are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, some of you know this about us, but 
maybe not everybody who is watching today, that at one point my wife Lori and I uh, decided we were going to move to Belfast, Northern Ireland. I talked a few weeks ago an example about driving on the other side of the road, uh, but today I want to talk about our journey there and how we got there and, and something specifically that happened, because I think it really ties into our passage today. We were going to go because Lori uh, had been accepted to Queen's University there in Belfast to work on her Ph.D. in sociology, and so we were looking to go, and that meant we had to go before the United Kingdom's consulate right there in Los Angeles where we were living, and we had to show them some things. We had to tell them what our intentions were, why we were wanting to go there. We had to uh, show them our bank accounts. We had to show that we wouldn't be a burden uh, on society while we were there. We had to show them that she had indeed been accepted to this Ph.D. program. There were many hoops that we had to jump through. And then they finally said, yes, you're accepted to come into the United Kingdom. And so that was much like Jesus' Beatitudes, finally saying, these are the ones that are included in God's kingdom work. The kingdom of, the, of Britain and uh, Scotland and Ireland and, and uh, Northern Ireland and Wales said, yes, you can come in. You can be a part of this. Once we got there, though, moves us into what our passage talks about today. We had to learn how to operate within the kingdom, within the United Kingdom. We had to learn how things work in that kingdom. One of those things is driving on the other side of the road. That's not only important if you're driving, but it's important when you cross the street because you want to look the right way so that you don't get run over. We had to learn how to look at things that uh, or how to say things, what words were okay to use, what words were not okay to use. Like the clothes that a man, sometimes a woman, but predominantly a man, wears on the lower half of his body, those are called trousers. Now, I know here in the United States, we call them pants. But pants in the United Kingdom are what you wear under your trousers, your underwear. So you don't talk about the nice pants that you bought because that's inappropriate. We had to learn how to move, how to speak, how to act, how to talk within the United Kingdom. Our passage today, as Jesus moves out of who is included in the kingdom of heaven, now begins to move us to talk about how kingdom people operate, how people of this kingdom now live their lives. And the first thing he comes to in verse 13 is he says, you all are the salt of the earth. Y'all are salty. That's what we would say in the South. Y'all are salty. That you there is a plural you. And we don't have that except in the southern portions of the United States where we say y'all. So y'all are the salt of the earth. This is not what Jesus is saying by making this plural. is saying that group together that I've said, you're now included. Y'all. It's not just about you individually, but together we all are the salt of the earth. But what does that even mean to say someone is the salt of the earth? Today, we mean that that person is a normal person or a humble person or just a, a down-to-earth person. They're just somebody you want to hang out with and be with. Uh, they're, they're just so humble and so pleasant to be around. 
So was that what Jesus was saying here? I mean, certainly he wasn't just looking at this crowd full of sick people and demon-possessed people and insiders and outsiders. He wasn't just looking at them and saying, oh, well, y'all are just real humble. You're real authentic people. It's got to be something more than that. It really is. And I believe it's very, very powerful in what it has to say. For Jesus to say, y'all are the salt of the earth, was very important in a few ways. Today, I know salt is pretty cheap. We can go to the store and you can buy it uh, and just pour it into your salt shaker. Use enough of it. In fact, in this country, we probably use way too much of it. But when Jesus was talking about salt, salt in Jesus' day was a very, very valuable commodity. In fact, some of a Roman soldier's pay was actually paid not in money, but in salt. Did you know that the word salary that we use today actually comes from the Latin word salarium, which means salt pay? It was what a Roman soldier was given as a part of his pay. That is your salarium, your salary, your salt pay. So in one sense, Jesus was looking at these crowds, eyeball to eyeball, with these excluded people, and was telling them that they had great value. This is important. Because people who are beat down, and people who are excluded, those people need to know that they have worth, that they have value. Maybe today you are feeling like like you would be excluded. Maybe today you are feeling beat down and excluded and you just need to hear you are the salt of the earth. You are very valuable to God. And He longs for you to be a part of His kingdom. I want to give you an example of of how beat down people really need to know their worth. A professor of mine, uh, Tim Green, tells this story. One day he was in their grocery store, I think it was probably Kroger's, and uh, the lines were long and people were getting irate and somebody on the register was uh, not doing the, the best job. They, uh, she, he says, I don't know if they were having a bad day or what, but everybody was getting frustrated. And, uh, and so I, I moved up to the, uh, to the, it was my turn at the register, he said, and I looked and I saw her name badge. And all I did was say, good morning, Kelly. And she burst into tears. She's like, oh, I, I was hoping to encourage. And, and she said, that was the first time in all of this that someone used my actual name. It brought value to her. She was feeling beat down. She was feeling like she was disappointing people, like she was being excluded and pushed out. And people would just want somebody new on that register until Tim came up and said her name. And that gave value. In the next city over from our city in Battle Creek, uh, there's a statue there of a memorial to a woman named Sojourner Truth. And Sojourner Truth was an African-American woman who, who was actually born as a slave and she was uh, able to leave slavery. She escaped over into this area of the world. And she was a preacher of the gospel and she was a part of the women's movement uh, to try and gain the vote. And when women who were feeling excluded at that time, and particularly black women of that time, her greatest speech that is still remembered today is when she asked the question, ain't I a woman? 
But she dared to say that there is value in being a woman. And we still have that statue for her today and still recall that speech. People who are beat down and excluded need to know their value. And Jesus says, you're a part of the kingdom. You're a part of God's kingdom and you have value. Jesus announces that God finds human beings very valuable. Did you need to hear that today? Did you need to know that you hold great value in God's eyes? Let's move on because salt has another purpose in Jesus' day. Salt was also a part of the Jewish sacrificial system. Salt was to be a part of every single sacrifice. In fact, Leviticus 2, verse 13, says it this way. You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offerings. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Let's say that again. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. So salt was a part of every sacrifice. So what does that mean when Jesus says you're the salt of the earth? Not only does it mean you have value, even if you feel beat down and excluded, but it also means that your very valuable life is to be given in sacrifice to God and God's purposes in the world. They are to give their valuable lives to the service of God and God's mission. That's an important part. Not only do you have value, but that value is not just to be hoarded to yourself, but it is to be laid out for God's purposes in the world. There's one more thing that salt is a part of, and salt does something that is a preservative. It extends the life of food. Before refrigeration, salt was the only way of keeping something fresh longer or long enough to sell. So what Jesus is saying when He says, Uh, you are the salt of the earth. He's not just saying you have value, and in that value you're to lay down that valuable life and sacrifice to God's kingdom purposes. But you are called to preserve life. Disciples of Jesus are called to preserve life. They're called into the world to lay down their lives to see life flourish for others. Now, how do we do that? Well, I found that interesting. That was a question. How do we preserve life as disciples? And so that got me thinking, well, how does salt do it? How does salt preserve life? And so I did a little Google search, and I found out that salt preserves because it inhibits the growth of bacteria that makes us sick or that causes food to go bad, to, to rot. And it does this by its nearness to the food. I found that very interesting. It it does this preserving work by inhibiting the bacteria to grow. It does does that through its nearness to the food. It is preserving. And it does not allow bacteria to develop. Now pause here. Because Jesus is saying just being close, being in the presence of what is rotting or those things in our world that are destroying life, being near it may cause, just like salt, may cause that rot from spreading. It may even heal that rot entirely. Pause here for a second. Because as Jesus followers in the 21st century, sometimes today we think that this is a license to legislate. 
If we could just pass the right laws or elect the right people, which isn't bad, we should pass laws that cause life to flourish. I hope that we elect the right people. But that's not what Jesus is getting at when He says you're the salt of the earth. Salt doesn't preserve life through punishment. It preserves life through presence. When the church sacrifices their very valuable lives to include those the world excludes, life is preserved by their presence with those that the world has excluded. When the church sacrifices their very valuable lives to include the poor in spirit, to comfort the mourning, to stand with the meek, to help those starving for justice, when they are peacemakers, when we extend mercy, and even when we are persecuted because we try to do this, life is extended by presence, not by punishment. We are preserving life. And this is the kingdom activity. This is how we learn to live life within the kingdom of heaven. When the church sacrifices their very valuable lives to stand with those who need shalom. Remember, we saw that last week. And to see them have righteousness and justice, we preserve life. When the church sacrifices their very valuable lives to God, uh, to, to give to broken people and to bring them back to God, life is extended. But Jesus also has a warning here. If salt loses its saltiness, it gets thrown out. It's, it's no good. What is he saying there? He's saying if we, if the church, if my disciples stop going to the broken and the outcast, if we stop announcing the worth of all humanity, if we stop preserving life, if we stop sacrificing our very valuable lives for the kingdom's purposes, if we stop seeing the value of every human life, if we lose sight of the fact that it is our nearness that is needed, and we just try to make rules or legislate laws to solve the problem. If we forget our call to announce the kingdom that blesses broken people and and includes those that are excluded, we will lose our saltiness. Now, the, the Greek word there for lose saltiness is the Greek word morane. Oh, I'm sorry, moranthe. Let's say that together. One, two, three. Moranthe. It sounds like the word moron, doesn't it? Moron is in there. Moranthe. That will help you. Because the actual first meaning of the word moranthe is to become foolish. Now, it does have a second and third meaning that, that talks about to make flat or tasteless and to lose saltiness. And so we translate it with that last one, to lose saltiness. But it is to become foolish. When we are no longer doing the things of the kingdom that we claim to belong to, that we claim to be citizens of, that we, if we no longer do the things that our teacher says we are doing, then we cease to be disciples. We become foolish. We become flat and tasteless. We lose saltiness. Let that sink in just a moment, my friends. Have we let go of our calling to be salt, to be near to those who are hurting? 
I hope today we again look into our hearts to let the Holy Spirit move in us to remind us of our saltiness. We have to move on because Jesus goes on and gives us another metaphor. He says, y'all are the light of the world. It's a plural again. It's, it's not just one person is the light of the world. It's us together doing the kingdom work together. It's that active acting out as a group together. We are the light of the world. In verses 14 through 16, he says, y'all are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. He says, light is not meant to be hidden. And he uses a, a metaphor of a lamp and a lampstand. Now for us, we just flip on the light and when we're done with a uh, needing light, we just turn it off and it's no big deal. In Jesus' day and age, it was much, much different. It was hard to light a lamp. It was an oil lamp that would have a wick either floating in it or the the lamp itself would be made in such a way that, that it would come up, the wick would be here and you would light that. But there were no matches. So to light that lamp took some effort to do. So whenever you had to leave, you didn't necessarily want to put your lamp out because you may come home when it's dark. And how would you get it lit? Again, with that flint or whatever to get that lit in the dark. Remember, there's no lights. There's no street lights. There's no city lights. There's no light on your phone. There's nothing like that. You would have to be doing this in pitch darkness. And so what they would do when they left is they would take, I know it says in our Bible, bushel basket. That was an earthen vessel, not a stick, uh, you know, it wasn't a longer burger basket or something like that uh, that would burn. It was an earthen vessel that they could put over it that would keep it lit but would cover the light. So Jesus uses this idea of this light, something that everyone would have and some, something would know. So what was he saying to the crowds here? Again, a very important metaphor. Light allows you to see in the darkness. It allows you to find your way. People who are in the dark need a light. I remember one of the times uh, in Ireland, I don't know why I'm on this Ireland kick lately, but must be homesick. But uh, one day, one time before Lori and I lived there, we went to visit and we were visiting with some friends. We decided to go camping around the entire coast of Ireland. And one of the places we stopped was a place of caverns, a cave, where you would go in and you'd go down. And we went all the way into the cave. We went way to the back. We were being led and it was all lit. And they said, okay, we're going to let you experience complete darkness for just a little bit. So we all huddled together. Said, no, I don't want anybody to move or explore while we're doing this. You could get hurt. And they turned off the lights in the cave. And I am telling you, even after five minutes when your eyes, you know, adjust to the dark, I could put my hand right here and not see a thing. I was grateful when the light came back on and we could find our way out. If the light had not come back on, Lori and I would still be in that cave. We needed light to find our way out. And so Jesus says, light is meant to shine. 
light needs to shine, why in the world would you put it, put a bushel basket over it, an earthen vessel over it, to just keep it inside? Light needs to be shown out there. And there are people in our world today who are experiencing such darkness, and all they need is the light. Now remember, it is Jesus' blessing of those who are excluded that causes them to shine. It's not just human goodness that shines out. It is what Jesus does in our heart. It is what Jesus does when He welcomes us into the kingdom, when He forgives us, when He cleanses us and causes us to shine. And together we go out as one collective light for the world and in the world. This is important. This brings us to our next point. Jesus says it is meant to shine, not to be hidden. You're not to put it under an earthen vessel. You're supposed to be like a city on a hill. He might have been where he was sitting, looking at a city across the valley and seeing it that at night it shines because of all the lights that are there. These are beautiful, powerful metaphors. So what causes us today to sometimes cover up our light? Did you know, although we're going to celebrate the incredible blessing that we have in this building and and finally paying it off and burning the mortgage, sometimes I'm afraid, my friends, that a church building can be the new version of an earthen vessel. Jesus did not say, you all are the light of the church. He said, you are the light of the world. Our lives are to shine with the love of Jesus for broken people, to announce their blessing, to help them find a place, to expose the darkness that keeps them lost. That is our call. And together, we are to be like a city that can't be hidden because of all the lights that are shining there. I have always said that churches are supposed to help cities be better to be healthier, kinder, and helpful places to live. Cities ought to long for churches to be in their borders. But unfortunately, we sometimes don't realize that what happens is that we pay no property tax to help the city, and we only show up to city council meetings when we're upset about something. God help us. That's that's an earthen vessel being put over the light that is intended to shine out for our city. I'm so grateful to be a part of a church like Cross Community Church that goes out into our city as light. I mean, we have a food pantry here that helps feed families. We're not the biggest or or best of the food pantries, but Ray and Joyce Lage and the other Joyces all help to make sure that we have we feed the families that we can. That's a part of shining as light. I'm glad we have Julie Jenkins and Pastor Kyle that takes our youth down to feed the homeless, to, to, to serve hot chocolate when it's cold, to just give them dignity and, and to know their names, learn their names, hear their stories. But this church has a goal of serving others. May we never back down from opportunities to shine Jesus' love to others. May we never put an earthen vessel over the light that Jesus has given to us. In fact, in verse 16, Jesus commands us, let your light. That's an imperative tense. That means you should do this. This is not a request. This is a command. I'm your teacher. You are my students. This is what you are to do. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good work 
and give glory to your Father in heaven. Now, what are good works? The work of sacrificing your very valuable lives to include those who are excluded. Now, whenever good works comes up in the Bible nowadays, we're all like, oh, good works, I thought we weren't supposed to have this. This is not about earning. You don't earn your way into the kingdom. This is about living the life that the kingdom wants us to live. It's about saying, I'm a part of this kingdom, and this is what this kingdom does, and this is what Jesus did. He went where salt was needed to preserve life. He went into the darkness where there was light that was needed, and we are called to do those same things. I'm just doing the things that Jesus, my teacher, taught me to do, how to live in this kingdom of heaven. Now, what are the similarities between light and salt? One thing is they both work by their presence. Think about that. Salt away from food doesn't preserve the food. Light that is hidden doesn't shine. It's just darkness. So in these two metaphors, Jesus is saying, we must go and shine in the places we go into our our everyday world. Into your neighborhood. Into your office into your school, students. Your school is a place to be salt and light into your very home, some of you. There was one person who embodied this salt and light that we may know still today. Her name was Anjezi. Anjezi Bojaktu. And Anjezi heard the call to live the kingdom life from Jesus. She was called to go and give dignity to the outcast and dying in a faraway land. Her family thought she was crazy, but she heard the call of Jesus that she was to go. And so she did. She gave away her very valuable life. And she actually came from a wealthy family. So she gave away a lot. And she went to be near like salt to those who needed dignity and worth as they laid their dying. The outcasts of the society of this faraway land she went to, and into the darkness she showed the light of Jesus within her as she helped those who had been cast aside into the darkness. And the interesting thing about that light that went with her, at the same time that she was shining light to those who needed darkness, she exposed the darkness. She exposed the people and the societies and the systemic structures that allowed the society to cast off people as worthless and let them die alone. This gave her a powerful voice and a powerful opportunity, not just in that faraway land, but all around the world, to speak about the love of Jesus, to let that light shine, to go and be salt in many places around the world, not just the faraway land that she was called to. She spoke with world leaders, with kings and presidents, and she shared what was in her heart, the light and the salt. In fact, so salty and so filled with the light of Jesus was on Desi that many people started calling her mother, Mama. So much of her valuable life did she sacrifice to God to be His vessel of salt and, and a lamp of life that the church now calls her a saint. Maybe you're already ahead of me. But now we know on Desi as Mother Teresa of 
who went as salt to preserve the life of those who had been cast aside. To go as light into the darkness. To find those who needed light and to expose how the darkness had thrown them there. This is what Jesus is talking about when He says to us as His disciple and to those crowds long ago, Jesus is announcing that this is the life of the kingdom. And He's announcing it first to those who have been excluded. He is telling them and us of their great value for, to God. He is calling them and us to lay down our very valuable lives as a sacrifice to God for others. He is inviting them and us to use our saltiness to preserve life all around us wherever we go in our everyday lives. He is inviting us to let the light of His love and inclusion to shine so that others may experience the same thing that we have, that I have, that accepting love of Jesus. He is calling us to live His teaching, not just learn it in our heads, but to live it out in our everyday lives. This is why this is so important. Jesus is encouraging us to remember our inclusion. That one time we were included. We were in the dark. We were in need of light and He came to us. We were the poor in spirit. We were mourning and needing comfort. We were meek. We were hungry for justice. We were outsiders who Jesus blessed by seeing us, saving us, and including us. Now we are reminded that we are now called not to sit in a building, but to pursue people with the same love that pursued us. This is why as a church, my friends, that we have developed these ten four goals that we have, and that a lot of them are about serving others to reach families that, that go to our daycare, to invite people to join us, to start recovery groups, to be salt and light. These are salt and light goals. Well, our time is done. But I pray that as we close in prayer, we would hear that we are called to be salt and to be light. The goals we have as a church are called to be renewed, to go, to let the light of God shine in us, to let His, the experience of His acceptance heal us and move us to go be present with those who are in need of that same healing love. We bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray that God would renew in us these salt and light goals. As we move into our workplaces tomorrow, into our school, into our homes, even after we finish this time, we pray that God would remind us you're called to be salt, you're called to be light, preserve life, go to those who are in need. Let's go to the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for your teaching long ago that still calls us today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us know that you are here with us. If we are one that feels excluded, may we right now sense your presence. If we are one 
who feel like the darkness is crowding in, would your light shine bright today? Would you lead us to place our trust in you? To trust that in your eyes we have great value. And you're inviting us into the kingdom and you'll teach us how we live out kingdom life as we lay down our very valuable lives for God's purpose to redeem the world. To go as salt ourselves Go and shine your light out into the dark places of the world. I pray that if there is one right now who needs that, they would pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing value in me. I accept that you are here. I yield my life to you. I give you anything that would come between me and you. Forgive me. Heal me. Cleanse me. Put your light within me. And send me out to be salt and light. Teach me the kingdom life. Father, many of us experienced that that so long ago that we've forgotten Sure, we come to a worship service or we watch it online, but as we walk to work, as we drive to work, as we enter our workplaces, as we go to our schools, we don't think about being salt and light. So help us today, Father, to renew our goals, to hear your voice saying, I'm sending you out. You all are the light of the world. Go and light it up like a city on a hill. You are salt. Go and preserve life by getting near to those who are broken and outcast and excluded and tell them of their worth. Invite them to be a part of of your church, of your life, of your world. God, help us to be a church that is willing to go and to live in the kingdom. Not just get into the kingdom, but to live in the kingdom way. Help us, we pray. But we pray all of this in the name of the one who not only announced the kingdom to us, but showed us perfectly what kingdom life is all about. That, of course, is Jesus' name. We pray all these things in His name. And the church around the world says, Amen. 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 Would you stand wherever you are? and receive the blessing. And now may you go and be salt and light. May you preserve life all around you and look for opportunities to shine light in the darkness. May you look for opportunity to include someone who has been excluded. May you look for opportunity to share the acceptance of Jesus with those who need it. May you Bring value and dignity to the lives around you. And may you go in the peace of the one who gave his life for you. Go in the name of Jesus. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. God bless you. Go in peace. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. 
And we'll see you back here next week. Thank you for coming and joining us today. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.